Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Today on Fantasy Sports Today, we recap the League of Alternative Baseball Reality Mixed League Draft and hit on the big trade in baseball. Fantasy Sports Today starts now. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Frank Stanfield. Happy February 5th, 2020 to you. We got Chris Bavona producing the show. Dan Strafford is on the updates. And Frank, a very hot night in baseball last night. A very big trade in baseball last night. A very complicated trade as well. Good morning to you. What'd you think of the deal? I thought it was a great trade for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, you know, if you look at this trade in a vacuum, uh, the Dodgers gave up Alex Verdugo and Kenta Maeda for a former MVP and a former Cy Young in Mookie Betts and David Price. I think it's crazy that there are people out there trying to justify this trade from the Boston Red Sox perspective. Uh, but I definitely think that the Dodgers uh, were winners here. It was a crazy night. We had a basketball trade last night. We had the labor draft last night, too. So uh, there's no shortage of things to talk about today, Craig. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Yeah, a uh, an interesting trade, not just from baseball's fantasy world, but from reality as well, considering the Boston Red Sox, arguably one of the pillars of, of all of baseball. You talk about the Yankees and the Cardinals and, um, you know, just teams that spe- the Giants in the past, the Dodgers, teams that specifically are always in it to win it. What kind of message does this send when you trade your former MVP of the American League, and although David Price is certainly not the same pitcher that he was in the past, a former Cy Young Award winner, and essentially, by all intents and purposes, hand the American League East to even the New York Yankees or the Tampa Bay Rays. we got a lot to get to here on this show today. Before we get to all that, as Frank mentioned, a trade in the NBA, a trade in Major League Baseball. we got fantasy baseball to hit on for the next two hours. Before we do all that, let's turn it over to our update here on Sports Grid with Dan Strafford. Dan, take it away. Sports Grid, new update. Well, Craig, another big story in baseball. Pete Rose wants back in. Rose, via his attorney, has petitioned Major League Baseball's commissioner, Rob Manfred, for reinstatement. He's basing his ask off the recent leniency towards players in the Astros cheating scandal. This is the second time Rose has sought reinstatement. If he was, in fact, reinstated, he would be eligible for the Hall of Fame. ESPN's Don Van Nata was the first to report the appeal. In other baseball news, as noted, a huge Three-team trade with Mookie Betts on his way to the Dodgers. The superstar outfielder is on his way to L.A. with starting pitcher David Price. The trade was first reported by ESPN's Jeff Passan. The third team in that deal is the Minnesota Twins, with the Dodgers sending Kenta Maeda to Minnesota. Boston will see back young outfielder Alex Verdugo. 
from the Dodgers and a young pitcher from the Twins. In a related but separate trade, the LA Dodgers have traded outfielder Jock Peterson to the Angels for prospect Luis Rangifo. Multiple sources say more details are still to come on that deal, so we'll keep an eye on that one. Our first big Woj bomb of the NBA trade season came last night. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting the Houston Rockets acquired Minnesota Timberwolves Robert Covington and traded center Clint Capella to the Atlanta Hawks as part of a four-team 12-player deal on Tuesday night. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday at 3 p.m. Two of the teams involved in that deal are in action tonight against one another. The Timberwolves are at home hosting the Atlanta Hawks. Currently, Minnesota is minus five favorite in that one. Over-under sits at 237.5. Other games in the National Basketball Association. The Nets host the Golden State Warriors. The over-under there is 224.5. The Nets have a 115.75 implied team total. They're minus seven favorites. The Celtics, minus eight favorites over the Orlando Magic at 211 over under in that one. That's going to do it. I'm Dan Strafford. This has been your Sports Grid News Update. All right, thanks very much, Dan. And we'll get back to Dan next hour, and we'll hit on all the top stories that are going on, potentially some more uh, movement in the NBA. That's why we have Frank here to discuss how that will affect uh, fantasy, potentially even reality as well. And he mentioned... Uh, Frank, the Pete Rose story, I've gotten to know Pete Rose uh, through the years. He's appeared on a lot of my shows, TV and radio. And, and it's a it's an interesting story with him trying to get back into the uh, National Baseball Hall of Fame. He's, petition, he's petitioned Rob Manfred. Uh, but I will tell you this, Frank, I think that this is like an eight-hour show if we start talking about Pete Rose. I'm not really <laughs> sure that we can handle the <laughs> amount of discussion that we could have here. Uh, we will touch on it. But Pete Rose for many years, Frank, in the in the terrestrial radio, when all of that was going on, it was hours and hours and hours of discussion. There is so much debate. There is so so many things that are involved, so many layers that are involved with all of this. So uh, we'll save it. You know, we'll save that for another another segment or another day. Okay, so uh, let, let's get into this trade specifically. Uh, Frank, we talked about Mookie Betts yesterday on the show. We now know that he's going to the Dodgers. We now know that this offense that he's going to be part of is going to be special. And certainly there could be this notion of moving him down in drafts. I don't know that I can move him down more than even a peg or two. I mean, he's playing in a fantastic lineup. I think it's certainly going to be really good for him. He's on a one-year deal now, essentially, because he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And uh, and David Price, who really struggled away from Fenway, I would think goes into a better pitching environment. Uh, in terms of other things that happen in this deal, Boston is going to get back the Twins, arguably top pitching prospect in Greaterall, who everyone says is you know has the ability to uh, be a starter, if not be a very high end reliever. I would guess we'll see him maybe at the end of 2020, maybe in 2021. And I gotta also tell you, Frank, uh, Alex Verdugo, I don't think. Is 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 the kind of like game changing prospect that sometimes is involved in these deals? I'm I'm not. I, I saw him in the futures game a couple of years ago. I, I'm not really a hundred percent sold on him. I feel like the Dodgers got a, got away with one here, but at least the industry feels like Boston did at least the best that they could. This is coming from you know the industry, according to Ken Rosenthal. But the industry also doesn't like to pay their players right now, so. Uh, let, let's kind of hit on this fantasy and reality, what you think the ramifications are. Let's go from Price. Uh, let's, I'm sorry, let's go from Betts to Price to Verdugo, in your opinion. Uh, then let's move to Greaterall, and then we'll get to where Jock Peterson is headed. 
All right, so when it comes to Mookie Betts, we spoke about this the the other day a little bit uh, about why he's slipping down draft boards, and I, I didn't really agree with it. I guess when you look at the aces, the uh, Garrett Coles and Jacob DeGrom, if you wanted to take one of those guys uh, ahead of a of a Mookie Betts, I think you can make the argument if you just want to get that starting pitcher. But outside of that, you know, I think he should be locked inside the top six picks in every single draft. Uh, still moves over to one of the best lineups in baseball, maybe the best lineup in baseball right now. Uh, you don't know if he's going to lead off or hit in the middle of that lineup, but either way, I mean, a lineup that features Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, Max Muncie, Corey Seager, Will Smith, uh, it is a great lineup as well um, look legitimate five category contributor and I think that there's uh, there's even some room for him to improve from last year he had a 295 batting average last season uh, but his expected batting average was 311 his slugging percentage was 524 expected slugging 573 when it comes to the expected stats you don't normally see often that they are higher than the actual statistics that played out last season. So I think that there is actually some regression, positive regression for Mookie Betts. So I can see him hitting over 300, maybe even approach 320. You know that he's going to give you 25 to 30 home runs. And and hitting atop this lineup, he's likely going to score uh, 110 to 120 runs as well. So I don't think that his value really changes all that much. The one thing that I did look into last night, Craig, and we spoke about this uh, with him potentially moving over to the Padres, was I looked into... Stolen bases attempted per game since David uh, since Dave Roberts took over as the manager with the Dodgers. Uh, and in these four years, he has ranked 26th, 20th, 18th, and 27th in stolen bases attempted per game. The Red Sox during the span are 17th, 6th, 5th, and 15th. So it's obvious that they attempt more stolen bases uh, per game, but we also know that how often you run is, is, has to do with uh, the, the, the players that you have. So uh, does that affect you at all? Like, where do you kind of fall in terms of the stolen bases here with Mookie Betts? Because we spoke about uh, him potentially moving over to the Padres and how that might affect his stolen base output. Uh, do you think that uh, we can see the stolen bases kind of come back even further than where they were last year now that he's with the Dodgers? Yeah, I think probably I'd give him a plus one or plus two uh, over last year. So I, I don't think it's a significant change. I think you're going to see basically the same player. So I don't bump him down. I don't bump him up. I think he's right where he is at. Um, Frank, the uh, the other ramification from this, the Red Sox outfield, uh, maybe this is more of an AL only question, but it could be a 12 or 15 teamer. Benatendi in left, Jackie Bradley in center. Who is in right? Do you think J.D. Martinez plays more outfield? Is it just strictly Verdugo in right field? Would they put Peraza? in the outfield, in right field, and put Chavis at second base? How do you think that shakes out? I think Verdugo is going to play every day. You know, I, I think that they're almost going to have to justify uh, making this trade uh, and, you know, kind of showcasing that he was the main piece that they got in in trading away Mookie Betts, who obviously won the MVP and he's been with the organization for so long. Uh, I think Verdugo is going to be out there every day in right field against lefties, against righties, uh, and I can't see him batting uh, lower than fifth in this lineup. So he's either going to lead off for the Red Sox. Think about that right now where Alex Verdugo is going outside the top 200 picks in NFBC ADP, or he's going to bat fifth. Because you look at the bottom of this lineup, Michael Chavis, Mitch Moreland, Christian Vasquez, Jackie Bradley. Verdugo is, is better than those players, in my opinion. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see where, how far the ADP climbs up here. Because to me, Craig, I think he's batting either first or fifth every single day playing right field for the Boston Red Sox. And there is massive, massive value uh, in that. So I think he's going to move up about 40, 50 spots in NFBC ADP right now. Yeah, I agree with the last statement, but I'm not sure I agree with the first statement. I, I 
can't say that he's better than Jackie Bradley. I mean, I really, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're going to have to see that play out, and there are some people who think otherwise on that. So uh, definitely a polarizing player as we move on. We'll be right back with more fantasy sports today right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. What does three up and three down mean to you, Airman? End of an inning. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Frank Stample here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, Sports Grid. Make sure you're catching us live on any of the apps where you hear your shows, including the FNTSY app, the IR Radio app, the TuneIn Radio app. And, of course, FantasySportsNetwork.com on demand, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and soon to be on uh, television apps as well. So hopefully we'll have that kicked in next week. But either way, at some point we will. You can bet on that. Let's get started with a little three up, three down. I have three. Frank has three on the upswing. Let's go with the Angels. Start off with them getting Jock Peterson. I understand that there are a couple of players involved in this deal, but none that I think are game-changing. And the Angels just got a little bit better, courtesy of the team across town. Jock Peterson adds another element of offense to the Angels. They still are bereft of pitching. I mean, that's still going to be an issue for them. But offensively, they kind of stack up in that division. I think very, you know, getting closer and closer to the Houston Astros. And who knows what the Astros will look like this season. So I thought a really good get... For the Angels, getting jock for almost nothing. Dodgers don't have room for him. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. And I'll tell you something about the reality of baseball. When you're going to judge this kind of deal, keep this in mind. Uh, Dodgers had to act quickly. My guess is they were in discussions to trade Peterson to the Angels even prior to this. Because understand this fact. Once the Dodgers get Mookie Betts, the league knows there's no room for Jock Peterson. So you got to get ahead of this, and you got to try and get a deal done before that. This is part of the game. That's number one. Number two, the Houston Astros, speaking of them, offer Hunter Pence a contract. Why is this important? Why is this cool? Look, I don't know that Hunter – I mean, Hunter Pence is actually pretty good last year. I don't know that he can still play, but this is the kind of guy you want to have around in a season that could be a little contentious. So I do like this idea. He probably would only be a veteran off the bench. From a fantasy perspective, I don't love it because we're still trying to figure out if Kyle Tucker's ever going to get a chance to play for the Astros. Of course, they still have Josh Reddick there as well. So it does create a little bit of a log jam, but I think it is a good veteran presence at the very least to bring him in on a non-roster invitation for spring training. And so that's my uh, second of the three up, three down. And then my final one, boy, Disney just keeps on cranking them out. 28.6 28.6 million subscribers to Disney Plus. It How long has it been? Three months? Four months? Not even? That is just an incredible number. So that's got to be trending up for me. Frank, what do you got this morning? 
Yeah, so I'm looking at the Minnesota Twins who wind up uh, landing Kenta Maeda in this deal, and I think they really needed some starting pitching. It was really surprising that they didn't wind up with one of these uh, veteran free agents in a Hinjin Ryu or a Dallas Keuchel. Uh, looking at their rotation right now, Jose Berrios, Jake Odorizzi, Kenta Maeda. It also features Homer Bailey and Randy Dobnak. So uh, I think they really needed to make a move like this in order to land a starting pitcher. So I thought that, that was a job well done from the Twins, but thought that they also should have been doing a little bit more in terms of the pitching uh, throughout the offseason. That is the Minnesota Twins once again. We men- we heard during the news update, Dan Strafford mentioned the big four-team NBA trade last night where the Hawks landed Clint Capella. Mind you, Clint Capella, one of the best rim-running centers in the NBA, a rim protector as well, someone that could give you two-plus blocks per game, double-double machine, one of the best at you know finishing alley-oops in the NBA, now playing with Trey Young with the Atlanta Hawks. He will be the, uh, the pick-and-roll partner with Trey Young there. They acquired Clint Capella for Evan Turner and a first-round pick that belongs to the Brooklyn Nets. So I thought that that was a phenomenal job by the Atlanta Hawks last night, landing Clint Capella. Have no clue what the Houston Rockets are doing. They wind up uh, acquiring Robert Covington in that four-team trade. Uh, but again, uh, you know, you have to have rim protection. They already don't play defense, and now they don't have Clint Capella anymore either. So go figure that one out when it comes to the Houston Rockets. And my last uh, story that is trending up here today uh, has to do with Disney+. Plus. So we're kind of on the same page here, uh, Craig. And that's The Mandalorian Season 2. I learned this earlier today from Danny Okers that it is set for October 2020. So this year, the return of Baby Yoda. We're looking at about eight months from now. We will get Season 2 of The Mandalorian, uh, which I personally need to jump on. I have not watched Season 1 yet. I understand all the craze around Baby Yoda, but I need to understand it more. I need to jump in. I've got to watch it. Craig, have you watched The Mandalorian? Are you excited for Mandalorian Season 2? Of course I've watched uh, The Mandalorian, yes. I'm one of those Star Wars nerd types, so I've I've seen all of these. I watched them when they came out. I've watched it as soon as they came out. Yeah, Bavone is a big Star Wars guy, too. I forgot about that. So, um, yeah, immediately I watched all of these. In fact, I, now, I didn't, like, uh, stay up until midnight when they came out. Like, that I didn't do. But I would set time aside to watch that. I'm a big streaming guy, television-wise now. That's... I watch very little of just, like, standard television. My wife stills watch, watches Bravo and all this crap that's on TV, like this uh, Vanderpump and the Housewives. And I mean, I, I could never cut the cord. It's not possible because our DVR is – she's like it's, – it's so clogged up. She's like, something's wrong. I'm like, you record every show on television. That is what's wrong. <laughs> like, we, it's, I, I Craig, can't do anything fiance. about it. My fiance is 28 years old, and she's watching Law & Order episodes from 25 years ago. I, oh. I'm like, what are you watching? Why are you doing this? Every night I come home yeah. and I hear, boom, 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 boom. Like, why are we doing this? I don't know. She watches that, and, uh, you know, uh, Andy on uh, on his show, he does a really good job. His show is good. I'll give it that. But, um, yeah, too, too many shows for me. But, yes, I'm a streaming guy, sports and streaming. That's pretty much and, and Kirby enthusiasm, too, I will say. All right, uh, trending down for me, the Red Sox punting the season. I mean, uh, you know, the Marlins did that, and they, they were, like, crucified for a whole entire offseason. The Royals traded everybody away, right? Like the like these teams do this and, and the red the Boston Red Sox just basically saying take Mookie Betts take David Price, I get it I understand the business of baseball it doesn't mean I have to like it, it he's one of the top five players in all of the game. Dan A. Frank of 
Guys sticking around with their teams. It's just done. I think it's over. Uh, it's here in South Florida, right. trending down for me, uh, Xavier Howard, arguably the best defensive player on the Dolphins, uh, was accused of domestic violence and charged. And uh, audio came out of a 911 conversation yesterday. It is ugly. It is not good. And uh, I think that Howard, unfortunately, um, has put himself in a position where he's going to be suspended in 2020 in the NFL. Uh, one of the best players on their team. Kind of stinks. But uh, no tolerance for that stuff. Not here, not anywhere else. And finally, uh, trending down for me. Now, look, I'm not a big shopping guy anymore. Used to be, of course. We all used to love to go to the mall. Uh, but Macy's seems like they're closing another 20 to 30% of their stores. This is a story that just keeps going. First it was Toys R Us, uh, Circuit City. Now it is Macy's. Uh, I'm not a huge shopper at Macy's, but I just hate to see these stores closing down. The days of just going into a, a department store or the mall, unfortunately, they are coming to an end. You just go online, buy what you want. So that's trending down for me. Frank, what do you got? Yeah, so this is an interesting topic because I, if you remember last year, PETA released their uh, their new uh, idioms, right? That they, uh, they instead of saying kill two birds with one stone, feed two birds with one scone, they had a bunch of these different things. Uh, now they're taking it one step further here, Craig. PETA wants you to stop using the word pet because it is derogatory and it shows ownership over your, quote, companion. They are suggesting that you should be using the term companion when it comes to your furry little animal friend not using the word pet. Uh, and during an interview that I saw, the person that was asking them about this said that you have pet in your name, PETA. So you should change your name to companion a. Uh. I don't know what's going on. You, you can't do anything anymore. You can't even call your pet a pet. Uh, but doesn't surprise me if we're being honest yeah, here. Steve Cohen backs out of buying the Mets. Due to lies in the negotiations. You know, this is crazy because we just had Tim Healy on yesterday, Craig. Uh, and it would have been interesting, you know, if this story broke a little bit earlier. We could have uh, got his thoughts about it. But uh, just, uh, it's crazy. On the same day that James Dolan seemingly does the right thing, right? You don't want anyone to ever lose their job. But it, it was obvious that Steve Mills was not fit for the job of, of team president with the New York Knicks. On the same day James Dolan does the right thing, the Fred Wilpons, uh, the Fred Wilpons, the Wilpons in general, uh, find a way to uh, get Steve Cohen to back out of buying the Mets uh, due to lies in the negotiations. Uh, I wish I can say that I felt sorry for Mets fans, but I am one of those Yankee fans that kind of just loves to watch them uh, suffer. So uh, there you go. Just more for the New York Mets here. And then Wilmer Flores signs with the San Francisco Giants. The reason why I have this uh, as a trending down topic is because there are platoons all over that lineup. Now, it might be something that you like. Because I know you play in NL-only leagues, and obviously we're all paying attention to playing time, and we're trying to find players uh, who are going to get at-bats, and how often are they going to get these at-bats. But I was actually kind of intrigued by their uh, their prospect, Mauricio Dubon, who was like penciled in to be a starter there for them. But now they're bringing in all these uh, veterans, and they have platoons basically up and down that entire lineup. So, uh, Wilmer Flores, good for you, signing with New York Giants. Uh, of course, I want you to have a job, Wilmer, uh, but I don't want it to come at the expense of young players that I was hoping to get everyday playing time. So that's why I have this as a uh, trending down topic for fantasy baseball purposes here, Craig. Yeah, and, and for reality purposes, the Giants are probably the worst team in the National League. And their goal this season is to just go into full uh, rebuild mode for the first time in decades under Farhan Zaidi. And the reason why they signed Wilmer Flores and the reason why they signed Yolmer Sanchez 
And Frank, the reason why they signed Kevin Gossman is because in July, they're hoping to trade these three players and get international free agent money and get prospects and completely rebuild for the future. That is the reason why the Giants have done virtually nothing except for uh, get some plug-and-play players, and then they will try to trade them all in July. That's what you do when you're on a rebuilding team. You sign guys to one-year deals. You hope they have good first halves, and then you move them. That'll do it for 3 Up, 3 Down. Coming up next, we are going to check in with our friend Rudy Gamble from Razball. He was in the League of Alternative Baseball Reality Draft last night, one of the first industry league drafts of the season. And we'll check in with Rudy next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mission, Frank Stample. We're back in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Special technique of shadow boxing. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Frank Stamfel over at Razball. They've got the fantasy baseball season off and running they do some of the best work in the business. Uh, they're also excellent competitors in the industry. And let me not uh, stress that enough. There are so many people who like to talk about playing fantasy baseball, and there are very few that win at the high rate that uh, the guys at Razball uh, do, specifically Gray Albright and Rudy Gamble. And last night, the League of Alternative Baseball uh, League kicked off with its mixed league. And uh, a lot of the participants that are in our community and in our industry are in it. And it's a good way to get an idea for how they feel about their teams. Uh, Rudy, always one of the top competitors in all the leagues that he plays in. And he joins us now to go over his draft from last night. Rudy, thanks so much for coming on the show. Craig Mish and Frank Stampful. And welcome to the fantasy baseball season. Good morning. Ah, thanks for having me, Craig and Frank. As always, we appreciate it. Uh, okay, so uh, let, let's kind of start off with what Rudy Gamble's strategy was because I think that a lot of people would be interested in that. As I said, you're always a, a finisher at the top or near the top. Did you change any strategy this year? Player aside, we'll get into the players, but player aside, was there like a, a goal, a, a theory, you know, something that we need to pay attention to? No, I mean, I think, I mean, the larger thing that happens is, um, so, there's a, a philosophical thing. It might matter more for others versus not. You can throw it up. You don't. Um, it, I'm a quant, and the natural thing for people who are working with a spreadsheet is to max your dollars, you know, or max whatever player value. Um, and I think where, where my head keeps moving toward is the draft. During the draft, I'm just the GM. I'm the GM for the in-season coach. And just trying to think more and more like, what do I want in a team? What, what is, my, is Rudy, the in-season coach, who loves using fab and grinding out and, you know, um, churning out the bottom part of a roster? What's going to help him succeed? And I think um, so that would be that larger philosophy. Um, verse last year, um, not major changes. I actually had DeGrom last year in the first, and I have him again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and for a similar larger theme of I don't like the pitcher values in, um, this, you know, for the second through like the fifth or sixth round. It's been the second straight year. I certainly had was wrong in some guys last year. 
I think that's a, a range you'd find Walker Bueller was in. Um, Luis Castillo might have been in the tail end of that range. Um, but I just don't like them. I think they're going a little high. And thus, um, it was either take DeGrom or Cole with my first or uh, just wait to the seventh round. Yeah, and, and then you chose to uh, go to Grom and then wait on Carlos Carrasco, so you'll have to hit on him or Otani uh, or maybe even some later uh, pitch-around uh, values that we'll get to, and I know Frank has some questions about that too. Uh, I, I guess that the uh, the player that I would ask you about is Giancarlo Stanton, who you took in the fourth round. Um, you know, we've progressively seen him go uh, lower and lower over the last few years in terms of drafts. He won the MVP. Um you know, didn't really perform in New York, I would say. And then last year, of course, missed. Well, actually did perform two years ago, but, uh, you know, missed all of last year. So you don't have any concerns about injuries or anything with him. That's a pretty high investment on a player that I would guess that outside of Eloy Jimenez, you're hoping is your big home run hitter for the year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not that I have zero concerns. I mean, it's I'd call just, you know, it's factors in. I mean, if if right now we, he, it was a guaranteed 150 games. Um, to me, he's an easy second round pick and are, you know, arguably first round pick. Um, so that's factored in getting him in the fourth round. I mean, I got him last year in the second round in this, I thought he's a good pairing with the Grom because it, uh, you know, versus having two power bats, um, you know, Stanton can, uh, give you a little bit more than a, a general power bat at that air. So, um, I'm fine with the risk. If, you know, the key, the break even for something like the stand here is like 130 games. Um, you know, less than that. Yeah, it's bad. Um, you know, and I do think Eloy gives me a little bit more, um, you know, I, I do have a pretty good power base on this team. So I think I could survive him a little more than last year. I mean, just note, even with Stanton last year, I still finished with 92 points in this league. Um, so feel pretty, yeah. So I, I think it, let's do it this way. When I was mock drafting Stanton in the fourth was kind of in pen. So yeah, I feel at fourth round, it's a great value that, that, that he gives you at least like he's a potential league winner where you can get him. Hey, Rudy, Frank Stanfield here. Craig mentioned earlier that you didn't take your second starting pitcher until Carlos Carrasco in round seven, and we all know the circumstances that surrounded Carrasco last year as he battled back from le leukemia. Uh, his first 12 starts, 4.98 ERA, uh, but it seemed like he was uh, he was unlucky during that span with a 3.48 XFIP. I mean, what are you seeing from Carrasco this year? To me, he's one of the hardest pitchers to project just because you don't know what's going to happen obviously from a health perspective and then it seems like even over the past two seasons he's been allowing a lot more hard contact that average exit velocity is up for Carlos Carrasco as well so when it comes to projecting Carlos Carrasco this year how do you do it because he's been one of the hardest pitchers for me to figure out well it, it's good last year he was an early third round pick to me um he was consensus after the dreaded or the, the the poor Snell Nola Bauer group in the late second. So he was an early third round. Um, nothing's, you know, um, so let's just say that's his talent level. Um, if anything, you know, the, the, I don't pretend to know, um, you know, about 
what he's going through, and that's that was it was awful. Um, you know, I do think it's something that general. I, I think it, it will stay in remission. That's my bet here. Um, you know, you know, we think, you know, but it's tough to say. Um, the fact he was throwing 97 last year is all I need to kind of know. So I'm not. So his arm's good. If anything, he got you know less wear on it last year. So his, his arms coming in a little fresher, uh, elbow, things like that. So, um, I think seventh round is like amazing value. I had him kind of in 10 as well, whether he would have been my first pitcher or he would have been taken there, whether I took the Grom or not. Um, so I like the value there. Um, yeah. Um, so, and fingers crossed. All right. So, so Rudy, for more you... than just my purpose for just what... more than me, I'd obviously, Obviously. Wishing the best for Carlos. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, Rudy Gamble is with us from Razzball. So, what's the what is the plan with Otani? How does this league work with that? Well, it's it, it, each week you could put him at pitcher or utility, um, and yeah, that was a that was one that you, you've got to that I thought through before the draft. Um, and the feeling is like he's a twenty dollar player uh, on a per game basis or per week basis. So twenty dollars like a fifth rounder. He's a fifth rounder as a bat and as a pitcher. Um, so to have that type of flexibility, I really like. In season, Rudy really wanted him. Pre, the uh, the the drafter doesn't. Uh, when you're drafting, it's not great because I only have him at like 110 innings. But the key is, if I get, you know, if he starts half the weeks and is as good as I think he is, and I think his talent is easy top first five rounds. Um, yeah, I would take him on a per start basis over, I mean, like Zach Wheeler goes in the fifth round. I'm taking Otani on a per game basis in the fifth round. Um, if I can get, you know, half the weeks of him pitching and then maybe even just use his utility for half of the other ones. And he's on the bench for a quarter of them. I, I think you're looking at, you know, a lot of value. Um, so yeah, I, I, was really intrigued. It's kind of, uh, maybe it's a bit indulgent, but, um, and just at that, that where I took him is a little bit below ADP, I think. Um, so I got a good value there. I thought, you know, there's probably future drafts where I'd have to take him in the seventh. Rudy, you ended up with Andrew Heaney as your SP4 and Jose Urquidy as your SP5 in this draft last night. Uh, you mentioned that John Carlos Stanton and, and Carlos Carrasco were almost locks for you based on where they were going. Are, are these also like starting pitchers that you're consistently targeting uh, later on in drafts like, based on their value that you can also like lock in, uh, that these are guys that you're targeting in every one of your drafts this year? Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see on that. Heaney definitely comes in as a very high value. Um, so he he's one that I'd have been surprised not to get. Um, and, yeah, I did target Urquidy. I mean, one challenge I've had in this league is um, it seems like I'm I'm always lower on wins than in the ratios. So I did put a little bit more emphasis on trying to get guys that are on teams that I think could, are going to win 85-plus games. Um so yeah, I, I like those two. Um, really good skills. Heaney's got yeah, you know, it's um yeah, and, and just hoping for hundred fifty plus innings. Um I'm pro- I might be a little bit more willing to take risks. I mean, Otani I guess would be another example of guys that, you know, maybe can't 
aren't um, as durable or as locks for 175 plus innings. But uh, my feelings like in season, Rudy's just going to stream pitchers in. So just give me really good 150 innings and not worry about 25 filler innings. Well, listen, uh, Rudy, as always, we appreciate you coming on. Um, Going to be following, of course, this league all season long, no doubt about that. I know you'll be there in the end for sure. Best of luck. We look to have you on throughout the season. You know that. And appreciate your participation today. Have a great one, okay? Oh, thanks for having me. All right, Rudy Gamble from Razzball. You can follow him. You can win your fantasy league. Razzball does a fantastic job with fantasy baseball. Really, really great guys over there. And funny, too. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today. Craig Mission, Frank Stample, just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Craig and Frank with you here on Fantasy Sports Today as we get ready for our noon hour. That's noon on the East, 9 on or 10 on the West is the 1 o'clock hour, and uh, 9 on the West is the 9 o'clock hour. Boy, i, I got to get my hours right here. New time for the show, 11 to 1 every day. And, uh, Frank, so far so good. How are you feeling about your uh, your new voyage with me here? Are the travel schedule okay for you? Everything working out? Oh, it's great. It's phenomenal. I love it. Why wouldn't? <laughs> how can I not love talking to fantasy baseball here uh, every single day with you, Craig? So very excited to do so. I will have you know today was the first time that I actually had to run in order to make my uh, bus in order to make it into New Jersey uh, because everything basically lines up right on schedule. So if anything is delayed at all, uh, I'm going to end up having to run for that bus. Today was the first time I had to do so, but uh, I did make it in time, and here we are. Excited to do so. All right, good. We got a lot to do today, yeah. And then next week we got uh, pitchers and catchers on the field. It's going to be uh, a very, very busy time. I'm going to have to figure out my schedule for uh, for this show next week. It's there could be some conflicting. There, there, uh, a little bit less of me sometimes on these shows, but it's for good purpose because we'll be bringing you back information and interviews, and we'll continue to do that uh, throughout the spring. So, as uh, as Rudy mentioned, Rudy was here on the show. And he was in the League of Alternative Baseball draft. They had this last night. For the last 10 years of me covering fantasy baseball for a living as opposed to a hobby, this has kind of been the first draft that people start to look at. They have that FSTA. Uh, uh, now it's called the FSGA draft, which they do in January. But that thing is just way too early. Like, I, I mean, I can't get my, my head around that. There are some people doing best ball certainly in January. And they're doing it, of course, uh, in the draft and hold format and doing that in in, uh, in February as well. I, I, I just like this is now I can like start to get a gauge for fantasy and start to look at it. So we're going to a little bit later in the show do some deep dives or deeper dives, I would say. We'll go through some of the best late round picks, some of the worst picks in the draft, too. I'm not afraid to do that. Uh, you guys know me by now. I, I definitely will do that. But. As a whole, uh, Frank, was there? As I asked Rudy, I'll ask you the same question because you're going to be participating. You are participating in, in a slow draft right now. Well, any early takeaways from the drafters, from the teams? Any theories? 
Because for me, this kind of looks a lot like last year's draft, to be honest. I don't see a lot of differentiation. What I will say about the uh, labor draft from last night is that I thought starting pitching went uh, later than it normally does. Uh, maybe it's just that starting pitching gets pushed up a little bit in the NFBC. Uh, we, and we normally hear, right, like that, you know, experts like to wait on pitching. They like to wait on quarterbacks, right? Uh, so I thought pitching went a little bit later. Some of those higher-end arms uh, slipped uh, last night in that draft. So uh, that was something that was intriguing to me. Uh, something else that stands out is, uh, and I should have asked Rudy about it, oh, what a dum-dum. Uh, Rafi Devers. He, he took Rafi Devers in the second round, and I'm starting to see Rafael Devers kind of creep up a little bit. In my draft champions, he went 202, so that would have been pick 17 off the board. Uh, for most of the draft season, he was like on that 2 3 turn in 15 teamers, but now yeah, Rudy takes up. him at 207 in the middle of the second round, and it wouldn't surprise me if he starts to move up even more closer to that 1 2 turn. I think uh, people are legitimately buying in on what they saw from Rafael Devers last season. All right, so so let me get your thoughts on this. This was tweeted out uh, earlier today. Uh, someone on Twitter uh, tweeted it, and uh, Steve Gardner, I guess, did the retweet, so I picked up on it. So I'm going to give you uh, the biggest uh, drops and the biggest jumps. At least this is a nice uh, gentleman here on Twitter who posted this. So the biggest uh, first uh, drops from last year, Chris Sale moves down 27 spots. Javier Baez moves down 23 spots. And Jose Altuve falls 17 spots. The biggest jumps are Cody Bellinger, who moves up 40 spots. That's not a surprise. Garrett Cole moves up 19. And Trevor Story moves up 15. So, Frank, what are your thoughts on uh, those six players, the guys who moved down and the ones who moved up? I don't think any of them are particularly surprising. I'll get into Javier Baez a little bit later on. I think he's one of the best values right now going in that third round range. Uh, Chris Sale is an interesting one. I think so much about Chris Sale uh, doing this draft at this point, right, doing NFBC drafts and doing the labor draft this early is you are getting Chris Sale at a discount because if we see Sale a pitch in spring training and the velocity is back up and he's kind of where you know he's been the past couple of years uh you're going to start to see him shoot all the way up into the second round it wouldn't surprise me uh he, if he even gets close to where he was being drafted last year which was like on the one two turn so that's an advantage of drafting early right now uh when it comes to uh chris sale it doesn't surprise me that garrett cole moves up uh, as much as he has uh here uh, who are the other names that you mentioned that, that were the biggest risers and biggest fallers? Uh, Bellinger was a big riser, plus 40. Uh, Sale, as I mentioned, was a big faller. Altuve was a big faller, minus 17. Right, Altuve, I think I think a lot of people are just kind of wary of, of the Houston Astros right now. You're not really seeing it with Alex Bregman, uh, but I think people are a little bit scared off of what to do with the Houston Astros. But... Look, if you buy in on the talent of Jose Altuve, I know that someone put out a someone put out a chart of how often these guys were actually uh, yeah. using the uh, the trash can bangs. Like someone actually took the time to to research that, and Jose Altuve was one of the Astros that was actually using uh, using these bangs on the trash can less than anybody else. So I actually do buy the talent of Jose Altuve, and if you do uh, believe in him still, then I do think he is coming at a discount right now where he's going uh, anywhere in the third. I've seen him go in the fourth round. 
around in some of these 15-team drafts as well. Still think he's going to be a plus batting average contributor. Uh, he's not going to give you the stolen bases like he once did. You know, maybe you project 12 to 15 stolen bases, but 20 to 25 home runs. Uh, someone who's going to score probably 100 runs. He's hitting in the middle of the, one of the best lineups in baseball. I think if there's anyone that you don't want to ding from all of this Houston Astros uh, fiasco, it, it would be Jose Altuve. I still do buy the talent there, Craig. Yeah, and 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 look, I mean, look, you don't know exactly what's going to come out of this whole thing with the Astros. It's very similar in a sense with the steroid era, but I would guess that those guys are all going to have really good years again. I, I don't, I don't know that it'll be overly affected by that, but it's easy for me to say without really knowing. Um, the the one team that I will tell you here, and you know, and bless him, but Tim McLeod does the same thing, Frank, every single year, and he had the first pick overall, so he got a Cunha. <laughs> But every single year, and Tim knows a lot about prospects, and he writes about them really well at Prospects 361, but he just blows his draft every year on all of these prospects. Like, I don't get it. Like, one of these years, he's going to have to realize that he's never going to win the league like this. Uh, Joe Adele in the 11th, Mackenzie Gore in the 15th, Carlson in the 17th, Tutsugo in the 18th, Grisham in the 21st. Uh, Joely Rodriguez on Texas in the 26th, please act in the 20. I can't bitch about late round picks, but uh, he he actually this year took a lot more older guys than he normally does. But like, I don't think that you can get away with taking all of these young guys in those kind of sort of middle to late rounds and succeed. But he just like hell bent and doing this every year, Frank. Yeah, and Joe Adele is one that stands out to me. I know that everyone's excited about Joe Adele, the prospect pedigree that he has. He's regarded as a top-five prospect in baseball. But I think one of the peripheral uh, effects from last night and, and Jock Peterson going over to the Angels is you know, what do we expect from Joe Adele now? I, I think that that might delay him being called up to the majors even further. And all along, I thought people uh, were kind of optimistic about his timetable. I, I don't think he's someone that just gets called up two weeks into the season. I, I don't think that, you know, he's that seasoned yet. He's still just 20 years old, uh, wasn't phenomenal at AAA last year, only hit 264. He had a 676 OPS in AAA as well. So all along, I thought people were being overly optimistic on Joe Adele. And, and when you look at some of the, the players that he took Joe Adele over last night, uh, especially in the outfield position. I mean, Adam Eaton, not sexy, but going to give you 15 home runs, 15 stolen bases. Justin Upton, who I think is one of the uh, better values right now in drafts. Willie Calhoun. Willie Calhoun might finally have an everyday role for the first time in his career, and he's part of a solid lineup. And look, I'm a Willie Calhoun guy, Craig. I don't. We're going to start to figure out who each other's guys are, like players sure. you just can't quit no matter what. Miguel Sano is one of those players as well. Uh, but Willie Calhoun is one of them for me because everything I've seen uh, from the minor league profile, high batting average, uh, power, doesn't strike out, makes a lot of contact, hits line drives. Uh, and we started to see that really come to fruition last year for Willie Calhoun. So uh, I love the value on him right now. Uh, I would not be able to take Joe Adele over, you know, two of those, two or three of those other outfielders that I just mentioned. I mean, listen, Avisel Garcia is in a great spot this year in Milwaukee and, and has a pretty solid track record of having a couple of good years. Uh, yeah, for whatever reason, every year that I do this, I look up at his team and I see all of these rookies. And I'm a big rookie guy. I think that you take one or the uh, or two of these dudes and you throw a dart, no question, and maybe you hit. But Adele in the 11th, Mackenzie Gore in the 15th. Craig, how do you justify? Dylan Carlson. How do you in the justify 17th? taking Joe Adele over Kyle Tucker? 
Like, how do you justify that? Because at least Kyle Tucker ended the season in the majors last year. He showed us something at the major league level. He looked like he belonged. Now we worry about, like, Hunter Pence potentially signing there, and Dusty Baker is someone that traditionally likes to lean on his veteran players. So we'll see what happens there if Josh Reddick uh, gets the starting nod over Kyle Tucker. But Kyle Tucker goes in the 14th round of this draft last night. Craig, how do you justify taking Joe Adele over someone like Kyle Tucker? Because personally, I can't do it. Yeah, uh, it's just... You, 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 you fall in love with these guys and you and you ask yourself the same question and again it's it's it part of what I do is I got to analyze this stuff and you ask yourself could you have gotten Joe Adele in the 13th or 14th or 15th or 16th and Mackenzie Gore I mean I, I don't know about this one at all like like is, is Mackenzie Gore in the NFBC going this high at all and it, maybe I'm off on that one but Frank but I mean like it's just a lot of uh, dart throwing in the middle of the rounds when you can get guys who have done it or potentially could do it. But uh, this is this is part of it. It's part of the game. you got to go with what you know. But uh, no league is being won uh, this year uh, with that team. All right, uh, we got to take a quick timeout for the top of the hour. We'll bring in Dan Stratford for a sports grid update. Of course, hour number two of Fantasy Sports today is just around the corner. Craig and Frank talking more fantasy baseball with you. We'll talk about some of the best picks and worst picks in this draft. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 